And I think we are live. Hello, 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 everyone. Thank you for coming back to the Digital Green Book Podcast. I am Alana. I go by Afro Butterfly. And today I have with me the amazing Haley Bryant. She is a young and upcoming VC out here doing it in these streets. And as you know, I love to interview dynamic people who do things that I find relevant and meaningful. And it's rare that we find women who are VCs, more or less women of color who are VCs. So to be able to have these opportunities to sit down and pick their brains is peerless. It's perfect. It's undeniable. So thank you so much, Haley, for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Alana, for creating space and energy and just being that Afro butterfly throughout the startup ecosystem to bring knowledge and connections to people in your audience. It's so incredible, the work that you do. Thank you so much. So I'm super curious, like, how did you become a VC and what made you want to do it? Yeah, great question. Um, so I guess just for just for clarification, I didn't even know what venture capital was until like five years ago. Um, I started my career thinking I was going to be a journalist. I ended up running Apple retail stores during the peak of the iPhone craze and then got a taste of startups while I was there working with small businesses and startups in the D.C. area. Um, I went to a couple of different startups, one bootstrapped, one venture back, which is where I figured out, okay, like people are not self-funding everything. There are people that write checks for interesting ideas and entrepreneurs. Um, and then I just continued operating. I ran a B2B SaaS digital content marketing agency, and it was there that I spent a lot more time working with very high growth startups. And I also had the opportunity to start writing angel checks, um, summer 2020, we were all stuck indoors and then George Floyd was murdered and I was like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I really want to do something with more impact. Um, and that's what really helped me start writing angel checks. Um, and it was through that that I got connected to more investors in the ecosystem, learned more about VC and eventually had the opportunity to join the Hustle Fund team um, to work with great founders who look like anyone and come from anywhere. So uh, it was not a linear path. I call it a career jungle gym, not a ladder. Um, but, you know, I think that sometimes that leads to the best stuff. I agree. And the funny thing is, as I'm interviewing more and more VCs, especially individuals who are more on the firm side, they are, they're straight up venture capitalists. They work with a team. They're out here doing a high level assessments yep. and really cultivating relationships with the founders before they cut that first check as opposed to angels who have a bit more flexibility and if they just feel that it's right they can cut that first check as i'm learning more about this ecosystem i'm i'm finding that their paths are very similar to yours especially if they happen to be founders of color i there's very few i can think of off the top of my head that had a formal education or training most of them had a similar background to yours. They were in the founder ecosystem as entrepreneurs themselves before they rolled over into this space. When you were on the founder side before you went to the VC side, the check cutting side, what made you feel like you could make an impact as a VC as opposed to the entrepreneur that you were? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, I, so I was an operator just to be to be clear, uh, the founder job is so hard. I hope to maybe do it one day, but I was hired by a very early stage founder in an operation centric role and just grew my career um, while I was at that company. So he eventually could step back, start other companies and let left me and um, Devin Bramhall, who was the, at the time the CEO to kind of run the show. Um, 
In terms of impact, I thought about a lot of different things. So before I stepped into VC, I was thinking about three different things. Continuing as an operator um, at a services-based business to support a lot of different companies with their growth, um, getting like really hands-on with an early stage, high growth startup and maybe making a mark there, being helpful there, or making a lot of bets as a VC. And what I thought um, the, the venture capital role would give me the opportunity to do was to work with a lot of different companies and to be an early believer. I think that's uh, that's one of my, my strengths maybe is my optimism. Um, I, I definitely think that's within my kind of zone of genius is seeing people's potential really early. At Animals, uh, I got to hire a lot of incredible people that maybe were overlooked. And I felt like I could use that same talent to help identify early stage founders from places outside of the typical tech Silicon Valley hubs, um, mm -hmm. work with them really early, help give them the tool set around the knowledge, the network, the capital, just to get started and then let them fly, right? Because um, they're already so, so high potential. They don't actually need that much from me. So I thought that would be a good place that was really high leverage um, where I could use time efficiently to have a broad impact on a lot of people. Um, I hope that as I continue to grow in my career, that that evolves and changes over time where I can have the biggest impact. Maybe I get to a point where I'm like, okay, I've seen enough entrepreneurs do this really well, where I feel like I can step into the founder seat, run a company, fundraise or bootstrap it and have some amazing return to be the black next black unicorn. Um, but for now, I really want to help both find and support those Black-led and underrepresented-led unicorns, and as um, Atlantica Ventures calls them, zebras and gazelles, because they have some amazing things going for them too. You know what? You just taught me something else even in that moment. Much like yourself, like you said, um, when we were behind scenes, you really only stepped into this space within five years, but you've been able to have so much impact in that amount of time. I'm, I would consider myself infantile to this space. It's out of sheer curiosity that I've enmeshed myself as deeply as I have into the Angel and VC network. And I've been like learning the linguistics on the fly. I just took a course um, with the Black Partner Growth Initiative in Miami on angel investing. And that really helped brush up my um, vocabulary and just general knowledge inside of the space. But that's very cursory and there's always so much more to know. And even now, um, you just showed me another trajectory that I was unaware of. Like, I would love for you to touch a bit more on what an operator does because of, of my friend's ecosystem when it comes to um, the jungle gym, as you say, inside of this uh, founder's path. Like sometimes some of us come in from a service angle and we unintentionally wind up making a business and then get thrown into the founder VC ecosystem. Right. Um, but I would love to know more about what it was like for you being an operator a bit and what did those requirements look like for you to be in that role? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I initially joined Animals, the B2B SaaS content marketing agency, my main objective was to drive customer success and to, um, retain enough customers to pay for my salary. That was basically the job description. Like I was hired without a formal, like, okay, here's the page in the career site. Here's ABC that we're looking for. Here's XYZ that you're going to do. It was really about retaining revenue and driving customer success. So the main thing I learned was um, the importance of customer centricity on a like consultancy level. I've done it at scale at mm -hmm. Apple serving 
thousands of customers. I'd done it at scale at startups previously, serving hundreds of customers in B2B SaaS, both smaller startups and then the Fortune 100 companies that were clients at Brazen, the recruitment marketing company I worked for. Um, but I hadn't done it in such like a deep and cons consultative sort of way. What I had learned at Apple, though, was the importance of um, people and being both customer-centric and people-centric and anticipatory customer service. So a lot of what I learned was the importance of hearing out customer pain points and team member pain points, and then designing solutions around that, and then figuring out how to scale those solutions. So um, I know that's really, really broad, but so much of ops, you think, oh, it's boring. It's like, it's systems. It's working in software, but all of that is to enable a great process, right? Like check, check, checklist manifesto style, like steps that you can follow to retain customers, to retain employees. Um, and a lot of what I learned was through failure. And I think that's one of the things you get as an operator that is so important. Stepping into the VC role without that operational experience, I think it'd be easy to be like, okay, like here's what I found online. Like here's what people say you should do. But when you've actually lived it, you understand how hard it is, um, mm. not just in the amount of time that you invest or the amount of work it is, but like the emotional labor of working with customers, of, of supporting team members as they're trying, failing. Um, and what I think that helped me do was to normalize a lot of the things that founders go through that are super stressful. Like when SVB happened a couple of weeks ago, um, I thought of the experience I had running payroll incorrectly and how stressful that was for the team and how stressed that made me, even though we had the money in the bank to cover the small difference because I deducted um, like 401k, like all of it at the beginning of the pay period instead of in two different segments. Um, but it, it's those little moments of empathy that you can kind of call upon from your own operator journey that I think help ground any advice that you give to, op to founders and also help you understand that often what's needed in those moments is a sounding board, like someone to just listen. So um, I don't know if that was too broad because I did focus across customer success, ops, people ops, um, and even did some own, of my own content marketing whenever we were in a slam with a, a jam with a customer. Um, but I think a lot of it comes down to that customer centricity, people centricity, um, to be able to design systems and processes around those two stakeholder groups, and then the empathy that gives you as a VC. Yeah, no, I don't think that was too broad because literally, again, as I'm talking to people who go through these ecosystems, it's not a linear path. And I think the more varied experiences that you have, it does make you a more robust individual in your next role. So I think each of the unique experiences that you have definitely have primed you to be who you are and who you're growing into being. But um, thank you so much for saying that. It really, it really means a lot. And I, I think uh, a lot of people come from very traditional roles um, getting into VC. What's been so cool to see amongst my peers is the diversity of backgrounds that people are coming from um, and how that contributes to a much richer ecosystem in terms of the sorts of ideas that we understand, the sorts of founders we're willing to back. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about this generational moment for venture capital. Come on, generational moment. <laughs> um, an event that I went to a few weeks prior at the Center for Black Innovation in Miami, um, a young lady you may know, Monique Adet Mosley, who's a VC, phenomenal, Rain Ventures. Oh, Rain Ventures, sorry. I'm thinking of a different, a different Monique, but yes, amazing. Amazing young lady. And 
a quote that she said that echoed what you just said. She was specifically talking about diversity at the table. When you have that ability to make decisions and really reach into these different businesses, just your very background, just the makeup of who you are literally can give someone an opportunity by you being in the room. So it's it's not it it's not superficial that we need more diversity and inclusion. It's actually important, especially to have a more, more robust business ecosystem. It can't be one note across the board, everyone looking the same. So saying that, my next question would be is what has diversity and inclusion sort of looked like for you? And do you ever feel awkward around those things sometimes because i know that sometimes it feels like okay this is a footnote that we have to hit or do people turn to you as the token sometimes to address those issues or how are you feeling surrounding that it's such a great question and uh, i feel really lucky to be in dc where techstars is running um or in the dmv area techstars is running a couple of accelerators focused on underrepresented founders so if you are a founder you're underrepresented and you're looking for support definitely check out the Techstars JP Morgan Accelerator and the Aquatech Accelerator run by um, Adam, I believe, and Jason Harris out in Baltimore. But uh, great conversation about this at Techstars office in DC with a bunch of other VCs in the area. Remembering that diversity means a lot of different things to different people. Um, I grew up overseas. So I think about diversity globally, right? Not just in terms of um, our, our race, but what countries do we come from? What experiences do we come from? Um, also thinking about age, about your gender, about your sexuality, about all of these different different things. Um, and, and I think I can re represent a lot, of, a lot of those elements as someone who came from outside of the VC standard path, um, being Black, being a woman, um, having been a single mom for so much of my parenting journey. So I empathize with a lot of these things and, and agree the representation is so important. Um, I've been in a lot of situations where I am the only. So I think the token question is interesting. I actually brought this up last week during a one-on-one -on -one with um, one of our GPs. And I just so appreciate having a safe space where I can talk about that with someone who doesn't look like me, who's a leader on the team, who just listened and empathized and, and really understood where I was coming from. One of the things I think it's tough to balance is um, being a voice for underrepresented founders and what diversity should look like in the ecosystem. And also um, just merit, right? Just You just want to be really good, not because, not like, oh, she's good for a black woman, for example, right? So um, I, that's the the balance I'm trying to strike right now. And I think about it even when drafting an LP newsletter, um, there's the opportunity to be on a pedestal around DEI. And then I think there's like the leadership of, well, just being like really, really great and having, um, being able to show my skill set as an operator and how I can provide support to founders um, and, and kind of leading leading through that versus the, you know, hitting someone over the head with, we, like, this is what we need in the ecosystem. Um, sorry if that's too vague. Happy to double click on any of that. But, but yeah. I do think about this balance a lot. And someone that I look to, I think does a really amazing job of um, leading through greatness and excellence while also 
talking about DEI and finding that balance is Lisa Ross, the CEO of Edelman, um, first black CEO, humongous company. Uh, highly recommend giving her a follow if you're interested in how to strike this balance. Another person I look to a lot is Tiffany Jafu at The Crew, um, which is a, an online membership that helps women find accountability in small groups and elevate themselves through their careers. Um, and she's been supporting women and girls for a long time, but she strikes a really amazing balance of just being an incredible founder and leader, but then also bringing in the, the representation and trying to elevate others through the, the platform that she has. I'm definitely going to make sure I give both of them a follow. And no, I don't think you're being too vague because it's not only are we like literally almost doing a high light recap of our lives, like in a 30 minute window, but these are very meaty topics to try and even attempt to break down. And personally, I know I don't get to see too many conversations about these things. So the fact that we're even both emboldened enough to have this conversation on a public professional place like LinkedIn, I think this will garner more change in these directions. Um, someone that I think does a great job of these conversations I'll be interviewing at the end of next month is Sherelle Dorsey. I think she's had so many amazing conversations through super the plug. Fan. Super fan. Super fan. I just ran into her at the angel investing class that I went to and I'm like, of course you would be here. You're brilliant. Um, and another young lady, keeping in note with my theme of VC and angel investing, I'll be interviewing Omi Bell in a couple of weeks, who is over Black Girl. Oh Black my Girl God, Man. I'm like such a fan of both of them. So even to be like like in this conversation with you is so cool. I'm going to go to an event that she's hosting later tonight, inviting um, Black women entrepreneurs to pitch. They have 60 seconds, and I think there's like $30,000 in grants available per, per startup. So um, check that out. Follow Sherelle, follow Omi, uh, both incredible women. I love that you are talking to them. I'm going to have to tune in. Yes, I'm stalking them, high key. Yes. <laughs> um, but yes, I actually was able to go to Black Girl Ventures pitch in Austin um, when I was in Austin for Afrotech back in November, and I was just floored. I'd been following Omi before that, um, and she had rung the New York Stock Exchange bell, which that's a personal goal that I have. And just everything, just everything that she does is so phenomenal and Sherelle as well. So that you got, you have phenomenal taste. <laughs> um, but touching back on yourself, what are some goals that you do have that might, others might consider lofty, but are very personal and dear to you now that you're in this seat that you're in? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, part of the reason I love being where I am is because it is a long-term game. And I think that uh, the things that we maybe want to see in the world do take time to be created. So I'm thinking pretty long-term about my goals. I do want to continue to rise at Hustle Fund. Um, I think the work the team has done to support founders who look like anyone and come from anywhere is so phenomenal. So continuing to raise more funds um, and, and I, I, I want to see more support go to underrepresented founders. So we are not explicitly a diversity fund, but what we found or what Elizabeth and Eric found when they were at 500 startups and initially kind of incubating this idea for Hustle Fund after analyzing data from 25,000 startups was that the only thing that matters for a startup to be great 
is a quality we define as hustle, which is great execution meets high velocity. So I'm hopeful that more and more of the startups that we see that have that quality that we're able to write checks into, and we move really quickly with a $50,000 check within about a week of that first call, um, that they look like like you and me and, and more underserved founders. Um, we're really excited to see that of the, um, the fund three we launched officially end of September, the companies we brought on so far, 39% are either women founded, Latin founded, black founded, or some combination they're in. Um, so, you know, I, I would love to be able to be a leader in this space, not because we're diversity focused, but because there's so much opportunity um, in the types of companies that people are creating and in other people not being believers yet and not seeing the, the, the underlying value that's there. So I'm really hopeful that, um, this return to fundamentals we're seeing in the current market climate will actually be positive for underrepresented founders who are used to having to try twice as hard, take twice as many meetings. Um, we're getting lower valuations for as much, if not much more revenue. Um, so so I, I have a lot of optimism about the time we're in as hard as it is. I think that's such a phenomenal answer because we do know even statistically, um, there's a lot of different reports, peer-reviewed reports going around about the statistics as far as who actually gets funding in these climates. And it ironically backslid some when the economy backslid, like the, the numbers we were marching towards 2% backslid closer yep. to 1%. So the fact that that is even a mission for you, it, it means a lot to me. It really, really does. Um, here's a question from the audience. Would Techstars Accelerator apply to people without an LLC currently, yet they have an e-commerce business they are trying to start? That's a really good question. I don't know the specifics. I'd recommend going to the Techstars website to learn more. Um, if you want to send me a quick note, I'm Haley, H-A-L-E-Y, at hustlefundvc.com or DM me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to try to connect the dots with one of the programs here, if, if helpful. Um, most of the Techstars companies I've seen do have at least an MVP of a product built. Um, and I don't know how much they do in the e-commerce space specifically. At Hustle Fund, we do expect the company to be incorporated. And we also like to see an MVP. So um, sorry not to be more helpful there, but happy to try to dig in more with and for you. Nope, I think that's a great start. Here is the website if you want to get connected and reach out. And I highly recommend you go here. I was poking around on the website this morning. And on March 28th, you actually have a free webinar coming up. Um, it yep. says, learn how to make angel investing your side hustle during our free webinar on March 28th. So, y'all, I recommend you go to this link. It's pinned at the top on the website. Please sign up for a free webinar. Please. Highly recommend. I mean, Alana, you were just talking about going to an angel seminar recently and how valuable that was for you. Um, I started writing checks before I got into Hustle Funds Angel Squad, but that was very much my path to becoming a VC, just being around a lot more angels, seeing a lot more deals. Um, and I think whether you want to be a VC, an investor, a founder, it's such a great starting point. There are like 1,300 people in the community. They're founders, they're operators, they're emerging fund managers, Fortune 500 executives, and they're all really nice. We have a really strong no a-hole rule um, for the squad. So definitely recommend signing up to learn more. That sounds amazing. I mean, culture is everything. It literally is everything. Yeah. So 
two two final questions as we're rounding down here to the end. One, for someone who wants to do what you do, and they may want to take the angel trajectory first. Say it's somebody who was like, much like yourself five years ago, never even heard of the ecosystem. If you could go back and coach Haley from five years ago, although admittedly all of the experiences you've had up to now have made you the wonderful individual you are, is there anything that you would have changed or streamlined or what would you have done to wind up where you are? Great question. So I guess a couple of things. Um, one, spend more time learning about startups. So just following startup stories. I was really lucky that at Animals, we had a strong onboarding program that kind of introduced you to SaaS very broadly, started to bring in thought leadership from Paul Graham at YC, some of his earliest essays, startup equals growth, one of the all-time favorites um and then just learning about some of the businesses some of which were customers and how they kind of got started so i think part of it's just learning through research the other part's learning by doing i wish that i had started investing a lot earlier um i think you know five years ago i was probably messing around with etfs much more than thinking about investing in private companies elizabeth talked about this on her blog as well elizabethian.com she talks about lessons from a 6x um angel investor meaning she's gotten 6x markup on her portfolio um, just starting starting sooner right the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago the next best time is today um, if you can get started, you know, go for it. And I think the, the last piece is learning by um, working with great people. So I love that you went to um, a, a program that helped you learn more about angel investing. I think just talking to other angels is really, really high value and or founders. Um, so, yeah, I think the big thing, though, would have been to do this earlier, to start building a track record sooner, start getting experiences. We talk about the importance of reps of practice at Angel Squad um, and help people review deals live and get feedback from our GPs, which is just invaluable. So that that's my main piece of advice. That's a great piece of advice. I know I've done some things privately here and there where I've like, you know, you've cut a check for someone, but I didn't even think about documenting that in the portfolio. So I may need to sit down and do that. And then my last question would truly be, in this current economy, we know that nothing's predictable. We know that crypto's had its backslide um, where it's technically not a bear market because structurally we are still bullish, but <laughs> um, right. we're used to like some of these larger companies like Ethereum or Polygon cutting checks for people to be able to fund different activations and things. Then on a the traditional fiat side, we know some of the news that's happened with SVB and even some of the glitches that's happened around other big legacy entities. Um, we know that those sorts of entities are a bit more conservative right now. They're holding on to their funds a bit more and they're being much more cautious, which is admittedly smart. What is your outlook as a VC? What would you say to founders who are in that grind mode, trying to get their seed checks, trying to get their capital up? What would you say to them right now in this moment? Yeah, I guess a few things. One, um, you know, uh, runway is life, as we all know. So the things I'm thinking about and trying to build a workshop around for our founders is ways to extend capital. Um, we've been thinking about this for the last year, but there will be hard decisions that need to be made just to keep the company alive because VCs are going to take longer. Many will invest the same at the same pace as they did last year. It's still a great time to invest. Um, 
but it's going to take longer. So thinking about plans A, B, and C for your fundraise, if you raise your target amount, if you're not able to raise at that next round valuation, could you do a bridge at the current valuation, thinking about what dilution outcomes would look like if you were to do that, um, and how you might kind of mitigate that in future fundraises? Like, could you raise enough to get to profitability and then not need to raise again and seek alternative funding, for example? Um, so a lot of it comes down to cash management and just having really clear expectations about what fundraising looks like. Um, if you are an underrepresented founder like, and want to talk about this, very like door is open. Please DM me, um, reach out. I also want to know how founders are thinking about this and what questions you have to be able to provide relevant advice um, because we need more of us to stay alive for longer to be able to make it to that next level and just keep going. Um, the funding stack for underrepresented founders is growing. There are more and more people that are focused on this who want to provide that support. So just like hang in there, um, take your breaks, take your rest and, and make those hard decisions. If you need a sounding board, I'm here. Thank you so much. This has been an, a phenomenal interview. I would love to do this with you again because there's like 50 million other questions I have for you. But I just want to give you your flowers because I think you're a phenomenal young lady. The work that you're doing is so important. And I know you're inspirational to me. Every person I've interviewed has inspired me like a high key stalk them. So <laughs> thank you for your time today, Haley. Thank you so much, Alana, for your time and for your work, which should not be understated in any way. Um, you're making more of an impact connecting your audience to people uh, and just trying to spread the knowledge. I think that's so, so important. So I celebrate you. Thank you for this opportunity. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Give Haley a follow y'all and this replay will be up on LinkedIn and YouTube. Have a Thank great you. one.